It's October 31st, 2018. Happy Halloween and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum and of course first we'll hear from Matt Gonzer from the Office of Climate Change, Sustainability, and Resilience with the uh, City and County of Honolulu and he's here to tell us about the Arbor Day Tree Giveaway. Kind of, sort of. And of course we'll hear from Kelsey Amos and... Alec Wagner about the Purple Maya Foundation and the next Purple Prize coming up in 2019. But first, Matt Gonzer is here. He's with the, of course, I said, you know, Office of Climate Change and Sustainability. And of course, uh, uh, he's here to tell us about this kind of cool website that's in conjunction with Arbor Day. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bert. Glad to be back in a, in a new capacity now at the City and County of Honolulu. So right, the Office of Climate Change, Sustainability and Resiliency, nothing like a deadline. So while it's exciting that it's Halloween, I'm more excited for Arbor Day. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that you actually sent me the email and you had actually picked a date. And now I came to came, come to realize that that date was set for your deadline, which is good. Now there's this Arbor Day thing happening to, uh, on Saturday. And there's actually a giveaway. So everybody who wants to go out and get a free tree, they can go to these five locations on Oahu, which include Foster Gardens, Foster Botanical Garden. There's the Pro City Urban Garden. There's the Wahewa Botanical Garden. There's the Waimea Valley Botanical, Gar- Botanical Garden. And on the windward side, there's the Kailua United Methodist Church. Now, at 9 o'clock, they're going to be giving this sort of free tree to anybody that shows up. Um, I would definitely want to go and get something, anything. But what's kind of cool is your program, and how does it kind of uh, support everybody who's getting their free tree? Right. So getting the free tree is one thing, but what we're very interested in is when they're planted Mm -hmm. Um, because the mayor has two goals around trees and urban forests, uh, and these include the planting of 100,000 trees across the island of Oahu by 2025, and increasing the canopy cover, so trees have canopy, we want to increase the canopy cover to 35% by 2035. Uh, And I'd love to come back and talk about the canopy goal in the future, but what we're here to specifically speak about is the the counting and the celebrating of planting of trees, both by the city and private individuals. Now, uh, I, I do want to give you a little bit more time to talk about canopy, because I always thought it was interesting that there's actually a goal to expand the amount of canopy. And you know, I just walk around and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, that there's a tree covering and providing some shade. But there's actually programs to increase that shade and perhaps designating areas that could perhaps benefit from that shade. Right. And all of this is, is from data that we have today and really lived experience, like you said, um, just, just from walking around. People mm-hmm. tend to cross the street if there's shade. They tend to hide under the shade of a palm mm-hmm. or, or a monkey pot or whatever at a bus stop. And we know today that there are places that are underserved from the benefits of trees. And trees can have this amazing ability to define a community, define the pride in a community, but also the absence of it can sap a community and it can make it uh, a little bit more trying and tiring. Mm -hmm. And and trees are more than just beautifully wonderful friends. Mm -hmm. They're extremely hard at work and they provide a whole array of really critical free benefits And we know that with the challenges of climate change, increasing temperatures, changing rainfall, changing wind patterns, we will need to really invest in this kind of critical urban infrastructure, really one of the only pieces that accrues benefits over time. Uh, And that's really what these two uh, commitments are about, 
planting of trees across Oahu, celebrating, getting excitement from communities, but then also later focusing on the data and the information around the canopy. Okay, so everybody's all excited about getting a tree. You know, you go and pick your favorite ohia tree, and then you want to take it home and you want to plant it. And of course, you know, the, the, the real key is making sure that that tree survives. Mm-hmm. And there is a fair amount of skill in actually achieving that. I mean, obviously, you've got to water <laughs> your tree. So what is it that you will do in terms of not only registering your tree, but how do you plan to ha- help people make sure that their tree stays alive? Right. So we're trying to compile a fair amount of that guidance. For one thing, we're trying to compile just the the disparate information across different city departments around rules and regulations around planting, maintenance strategies, what's the role and uh, responsibility for the Division of Urban Forestry within our Parks Department. And we've collected a lot of that information, and Mm -hmm. we've started to put it at resilientoahu.org slash urbanforest. We're not going to really be providing a lot of the education around how to make sure it survives. That's the benefit of these kinds of tree giveaways, Mm -hmm. groups like the Urban um, Garden Center, Mm -hmm. Master uh, Gardener Mm -hmm. Program through UH and CTAR. Um, But that that maintenance and establishment period is really important. And that's why there's two goals, right? So the the getting the numbers is is really good, and it's a motivator, and it's something that can drum up a lot of excitement. But the really important thing is to get savvy around understanding the potential of the growth and being able to calculate that canopy because that canopy is going to be critical Mm -hmm. moving forward. So tell me about the website that is uh, newly launched. Right. So urban – sorry, resilientoahu.org slash urbanforest. If you go there, that's – direct link to our city's Office of Climate Change, Sustainability, and Resiliency, and specifically this program on urban forest. We've started to compile these different information brackets around um, policy and planning, people and implementation, practice and maintenance. But most importantly, specifically for this show, at the top of that webpage is the link to this web form. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I was hesitant to call it an app because I don't want to misrepresent on this tech show what is and is not an app because I don't know how to build one. But (laughs) I can create stuff in ArcGIS, and this is just an online form that Mm -hmm. once, Bert, you go out to Pearl City, you get this tree, you've planted it, you enter this information, you hit submit. That point is right now on a map, Mm -hmm. and we can start to celebrate and, and collectively see the growth and the continued stewardship of our of our lived environments. Now, as uh, the tree grows, as I is is it possible for me to perhaps add the uh, photos or you know sort of uh, not only celebrate but uh, document what it is that uh, I'm actually doing in achieving you know from seedling or sapling to actual tree. Definitely in the immediacy, it allows for the um, attachment of a photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great idea to think of ways to continue to allow people to document right. and, and show the progress over time. So that's that's a great suggestion. So, so from a from a you know citizen engagement standpoint, you want to keep you know keep them engaged, keep them active in, in perhaps uh, not only sharing the story of their tree, but you know documenting the progress. Absolutely. Yeah, great. So I will put the link up on our show notes later on tonight. And if there's any more information you want to share? Just one more time, resilientoahu.org forward slash urban forest. Very good. So we want to thank you, Matt, for joining us. Thank you, Bert. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Kelsey Amos and Alec Wagner. And we'll talk about the next Purple Prize. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Ulopono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. 
I begin my day with public radio, so I'm always listening to morning edition, and I begin my weekends with weekend edition. I find it a very comfortable way to start my day. I get to learn about what's going on in the world, and each day I'm learning something new. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Mart Cafe. Now joining us in the studio, Kelsey Amos and Alec Wagner. Both Kelsey and Alec are responsible for the development of Purple Prize. And it's something that's been going on for a couple, three years. But first, I want to welcome you both to Bite Mark's Cafe. Thanks. Hey, thanks a lot, Bert. Thanks for having now, us. You know, uh, Kelsey, we've had you on, and, and um, Alec, I know that you're kind of the, the newly anointed uh, director. Maybe just mm-hmm. give us a quick, uh, what are your current sort of roles and responsibilities at the Purple Maya and Purple Prize, Alec? Sure. Uh, well, recently I've been in charge of sort of putting together the, the new plan for what what is the Purple Prize 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in charge of the day-to-day and sort of just uh, implementing the the great amount of strategies that my team puts together uh, and just, just making it work. And, and Kelsey, I mean, you've been involved from the very beginning because I remember the first uh, uh, Purple yeah. Prize uh, invitation to, to, you know, the community. And so how, how are you continuing to see your involvement? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here w- working very closely with Alec. Um, we, we, so we did the Purple Prize in 2016 mm-hmm. and in 2017, and it was all kind of an experiment, honestly. Um, so we learned a lot from that process, and that is part of what led us to bringing on Alec. And we're trying to really like maintain the core of what was working about the Purple Prize, and then add in a bunch of other um, really enriching things that that Alec brings, and that, that we're working on building out together. So I'm just I'm just here for all of that. So so <laughs> for the benefit of our our listeners, uh, describe maybe the beginning of what Purple Prize started off to be and and then now we and then we you can get into the evolution of it. So when I first got involved with Purple Prize, I mean it was sort of like a uh, like a hackathon that had strong emphasis on uh cultural Hawaiian cultural values. And I thought yeah. that that the blend of technology and culture was really uh, a a cool sort of integration. But tell me, I mean is that what what, what it was originally? Right. Well, I mean, so actually, Purple Prize is a project of Purple Maya, Purple Maya Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, and we're an, a nonprofit that does technology education, right? So we actually do computer science and coding kind of education for like sixth graders through twelfth graders um, after school or in school as electives. We work with a lot of charter schools. I mean, and we um, were founded like about five years ago, kind of out of that moment, I think, when coding and computer science education was getting to be a big thing on mm-hmm. people's agendas, mm-hmm. right? And we were. Uh, myself and the the co-founders Olin Lagan and Donovan Kealoha were thinking about, um, you know, just the need for that here, um, and especially for for Hawaiian kids and, and local kids. And so that that that's kind of where the infusion of culture or the rootedness in culture came into play. Because I mean, before we even thought about the Purple Prize, we were thinking about you know a, a ninth grader, mm-hmm. uh, like in Waianae or in Waimanalo, or uh, right, and like how to make technology something that feels affirming and welcoming to them. Because I think that's why that's why we have these problems with with sort of demographic underrepresentation in tech, because it is affirming and welcoming to some people, and then others kind of aren't able to see themselves in it. So, so we were trying to think about, yeah, how to, how to 
uh, have Native Hawaiian culture be a crucial part, a foundational part, not just an added on part mm -hmm. of a coding classroom, right? And and is that a contradiction? I don't think so, but there's a tendency to see it that way, right? So getting to the Purple Prize at last, right? That was kind of a moment when we were like, we want to see this happening with adults because if, you know, we can't, you can't put it all on a, a ninth grader to, you know, figure mm -hmm. out how to meld culture and technology and be a native Hawaiian and be a coder and make that work if they don't have a role model, right? So part of the, part of the impetus was wanting to foster that among the adults within our local tech community. Um, and yeah, and then the Purple Prize was our way that we could think of to do it. At first it was a hackathon, mm -hmm. but then it became like a longer, more drawn out competition because we didn't want it to just be a one-off thing. Everybody mm -hmm. comes together and goes home and nothing happens afterwards. So, so yeah, we just tried it out. So in terms of uh, some of the, the projects that came out of the, let's say, 2016 and 2017, I mean, there, are there things that kind of come to mind that, I mean, I always see pictures on Instagram of some of the, the winners from, you know, those years. What were, what are some of the ones that, that really foster um, a good memory? Yeah, I mean, so many of them, really. But I mean, if we want to look at just last the last time we ran the competition in 2017, um, the, the two first place winners, we had two different categories. They were both um, folks who were using contemporary like digital technologies, mm -hmm. cloud-based technologies, uh, machine learning even, mm -hmm. to support the resurgence and rebuilding of Lokoi'a or mm -hmm. Hawaiian fish ponds. I mean, so that's um, that was an amazing thing to see, you know, like one of the teams, Malama Lokoi'a, had flown over from the big island to Oahu to present you know, and and the, she was just talking about you know she's a kiai loco she she's a she's out there in the fish pond normally and here she is, um, talking about how they're using this cloud based technology to mm -hmm. gather their data and then be able to share that data with other fish pond practitioners around the state. Because um, I mean previously they had been doing it on pen and paper, right? And then how do you share that with others? And then the other one was machine learning to actually mm -hmm. train computers to be able to you know be filming and be able to see the fish going in and out of the makaha and and i mean the way she frames it is like this is kilo this is traditional hawaiian kilo practices only unfortunately in our contemporary world who has you know not many people are able to like be there watching and observing all day so if you can have machine learning there filming and somebody has to be there kind of to teach the machine right so there's that engagement there with the knowledge of these fish species but to have it be able to count the fish going in and out be able to eventually identify them um, and have that information be available to the people who are running these fish ponds so that they can make choices and and share you know share about their successes and their trials and all this kind of stuff as they go about their work i mean that to me was really exciting to see that kind of application and innovation. Oh, yeah. I thought that uh, the idea of leveraging the technologies where, you know, the advances in artificial intelligence and machine learning and teaching the computer to identify the right kinds of species and, and be able to do the counting that, like you said, I mean, you know, it's hard to have people there doing that all day. But if you can have a computer do that, and of course the computer needs a lot of images, and the more images it has, the better able to identify the fishes that go by. So I think it's a great use of, of the mm -hmm. technology, and I would love to see you know how they sort of evolve into whatever whatever business or company you know they they decide to become. So Alex, you know, in terms of what you've seen <clears throat> in the, uh, the the first couple of uh, years of of uh, Purple Prize. Um, what do you envision it, you know, sort of evolving to or changing to become 
and to be better suited for, you know, what you have in mind in terms of uh, the goals for Purple Prize. Sure. I mean, I'd even add to what Kelsey was just saying about the results of these of these startups or even these teams. Um, we had a couple of, I mean, everybody who participated in the Purple Prize uh, had success either by learning or being a part of this new indigenous innovation community, mm-hmm. um, or or they were, you know, actually creating viable startups. Uh, so we've we've even had two two startups that have come out that have ended up. Um, continuing on to, I mean, one's in their one's in their first raise round, and and another one is uh, has thirty customers. Um, pretty, I mean, and, and these aren't small customers. I mean, he, I think he's uh, he's reaching out to to try to sell to um, to small governments, or local governments. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some pretty some pretty interesting things are you know starting to happen after a year from uh, a year or even two years from. Uh, the f- the first and the second Purple Prize, uh, and these outcomes are showing up all over the place. But in terms of where the Purple Prize can go, um, I mean, there was definitely a community that was formed uh, during the first two Purple Prizes, which is incredibly exciting because part of evolving our technology ecosystem is creating an ecosystem around uh, the Hawaiian values, um, something that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily look exactly like Silicon Valley or doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily look like uh, look like a Japan. Um, we need to be looking to uh, have something that's that's built around what's already existing here, uh, both from a place perspective and from a culture perspective, a people perspective. So uh, there's that community there's that community piece that's extremely important. But then there's also a piece where uh, we've had some inconsistency in the turnout in the past, or at least in what's uh, ended up uh, the, the the outcomes of the last Purple Prizes. Uh, some teams ended with just an idea, and some teams ended up with a company that is p- p- potentially viable and potentially scalable. Mm-hmm. So um, we want to try to get it to a point where uh, where you know both the learning uh, outcomes happen and that we're producing viable startups. I want to talk a little bit more about how, you know, like the two companies or the companies that have actually come out of Purple Prize and actually are now uh, have sort of formed Mm -hmm. and what you've uh, identified as being key elements of that formation. Because typically, you know, when you have a, you know, just a gathering of, of participants, it's not, you know, they come together and they, they, they want to spend some time and, yep. You know, ideate and, and and solve some problems, but to actually get to a point where they're actually now a startup—that's a whole nother phase. So, mm-hmm. want to hold that thought? We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with both Kelsey Wagner and Alec. Oh, I'm sorry, Kelsey Amos and Alec Wagner, and we're talking about the Purple Prize. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Wealth Jar, Hawaii Pacific University, and Locations. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Kelsey Amos and Alec Wagner. We're talking about the evolution of the Purple Prize program, part of the Purple Maya Foundation. Right before the break, uh, you know, we are talking to Alex about the uh, the goals, perhaps, of the, the newly evolved Purple Prize. And one of the things that you had mentioned, Alec, was that the, you know, there were a couple of companies that actually formed out of the Purple Prize. And, you know, there's, <clears throat> when first getting involved 
and I, you know, participated in, in the uh, Purple Prize. And I, I thought, well, you know, it's great. You just bring together these people and they ideate and they work on something. And, you know, maybe they come up with a prototype. Maybe they don't. But <clears throat> to actually get it from that loose uh, gathering of, of, of individuals to an actual company, that's a whole nother evolution. So what were some of the key elements that you've observed that got that gathering of people that ended up forming those two companies? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, so I think that one of the things that the Purple Prizes does, just in the way that we you know, teach and form our startups and teach our entrepreneurs, is, is that we really drive passion. Uh, and I think that like I, I'm coming from sort of an experience uh, where I was part of an investment firm um, in, in the Bay Area. And so one of the diversifying <coughs> factors that you look at as an investment analyst is is the team mm-hmm. and these teams uh these teams really surprised me i saw them at their demo day uh last year at the purple prize demo day um and uh I'll, i mean i'll just i'll just call them out as they are i mean nrds.io uh, which is natural Re- resource uh, data solutions mm-hmm. and hohonu which is an iot sensors company that measures uh, oceanic data for I mean, to, to prevent flooding and, and prevent climate change. I mean, these are these these are incredible ideas that have that have that have serious social and environmental impacts. Um, but then they also have a passion and a and a great sort of breadth of knowledge that comes behind their ideas. These are sort of their passion projects, and they're applying their um, they're applying their existing knowledge and their expertise in certain areas. They're combining that with uh, with their with their upbringing or or at least where they're living now um and and they're using sort of these known solutions to sort of drive their uh and drive the way that they plan and uh and continue to grow their their startups um i mean we have to remember that with the purple prize we are focusing on creating these indigenous innovations uh or these sort of indigenous enterprises and what that means is that we're looking you know maybe before uh, what we would consider technology today. We're looking at solutions that have been ideated by our ancestors. Mm -hmm. Um, And so these solutions have already sort of been thought of. But now we're just using technology, we're just leveraging technology to take those solutions to the market in today's today's economy. So, so Kelsey, you know, in terms of the uh, uh, participation in the Purple Prize, you'll still have individuals coming together and wanting to work, work on something. And then you you will have companies or not companies but you know maybe some projects that are a little bit more developed and they will come and and maybe further the development of those projects. So how do you how do you offer uh, let's say some mentoring or some new ways of of uh, cultivating that the team right. that aren't at that stage where they're actually uh, more mature? Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so that's one of the key kind of learnings from last time around. Last time we tried to have two categories going concurrently, right, in-flight and startup. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we, and, and I think that's part of some of the inconsistencies that Alec points out, right, that we just from the beginning had people at massively different stages coming in and trying to do things all at the same time together somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we really like being able to work with both of those stages, right? There's something really fun and invigorating I think about the connections phase when it's just a bunch of people coming together with ideas and meeting each other and like you know trying to form a team out of that but then there's also folks that come in with kind of an established 
business. So basically what we're trying to do this time around is break things into two phases, the connections phase first and then the building phase second. Um, and, and so the connections phase is kind of more for people who are starting from an idea, just like a crazy idea that they, and they're looking for team members. And the building phase is more for, you've already got kind of a, a concept plan that you've sought out pretty darn well in the, in the first phase. You have a team and you're ready to really get some mentorship and get serious about building. I mean, Alec, do you want to say more about the two phases? Yeah, I mean, the connections phase is, is that opportunity for individuals to get together. And if you don't have a team, but you've got a good idea, mm-hmm. or if you at least have an interest in social enterprise, um, what this indigenous innovation actually means, um, if you are a person who's a cultural practitioner and wants to sort of insert yourself into this technology economy, then this is this is an opportunity to do that. Uh, we are you know doing a bunch of different sort of workshops over the course of this five-month connections phase between February and June. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have the opportunity to enter into the building phase and actually incubate and form uh, form a startup, um, a potentially viable startup. Um, and then the building phase, we're opening that to you know a greater audience, of course, and the same thing with the connections phase. Uh, the connections phase is sort of en masse, and, and mm-hmm. the building phase is something that is like we're expecting a high-level, um, uh, high-quality uh, when you're applying, we, we were expecting something that's already been designed. Uh, we want to see some level of planning occur. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're going to help you, you know, take your idea, apply our ethos that we have at the Purple Prize. Um, and just, I mean, get you to the point where, you, where it's, it, it's, it's possible to succeed. So it's, a, it's an actual conscientious effort to kind of separate these two groups and have one that starts off with the connection phase, have that five-month period, mm-hmm. and then focus in on this building phase for the companies that are, or the, the groups that are more mature, I think, along the idea, uh, you know, idea development. Absolutely. Like we, uh, like we break it out uh, into you know, just meeting and connecting mm-hmm. uh, and ideating. And then you have this entirely other animal, essentially. That's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know building a startup and, and taking it to market. So in the next uh, you know just a couple of minutes that we have, uh, there is something happening uh, that's that's actually taking place before the February sort of connection yeah. launch, right? So what exactly is is happening in the very near future? Yeah. So if you, uh, I mean, the very near future, tomorrow the application for the connection phase opens up, mm-hmm. you can go to www.purpleprize.com and click on, you know, apply and, and find out about that and actually apply. And this is different because in the past, and, and I think this is kind of what we're, we've known, we're known for, we've always had a kickoff event to start things off. And right. you go to the kickoff first and we go in the lo'i and we right. get muddy and we talk with each other and we have a great time. And then after that, you apply. But we're kind of s- flipping it around this time. So um, we're going to have a kickoff event still. It's going to be in February. It's going to be awesome. It's going to mm-hmm. be at Pai Pai Oheia. It's going to be great. But before that is when you apply now. So we're, we're kind of seeking applications starting tomorrow. So you're, you're actually going out and, and soliciting, you know, as an example on the show, for people that may have an idea about just about anything that they might uh, want yeah, mean, to propose. And, and, and so we're, we're looking for, you know, I mean, people who want to participate. So there's going to be a series of events, a series of learning opportunities within the first half of, of 2019, really. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's the tech people, it's the business and entrepreneurial people. But it's also like if you're a tarot farmer, if you dance hula, you know, like kind of cultural practitioners, people who I think people have a lot of ideas about how technology could help their efforts. But they just are like, I don't know how to do that. And so if you're that person, 
like this is the place to come to try to meet some cool tech folks who like have these skills and want to be connected to community and want to use their skills to help Hawaii out. So real quick, what's the website again? www.purpleprize.com. Very good. So Kelsey Amos and Alec Wagner, both organizers for the upcoming Purple Prize 2019. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thanks, Bert. Thanks a lot, Bert. And of course, we want to thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. You want to join us next week when we talk about the Hawaiian Electric Smart Cities pilot. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chung. And you can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime on the HPR app. You stay awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Your-